several years ago, my family and I, we moved to another continent. We moved to the continent of Africa. And while there, um, I developed a close friend. Elias Chunya was his name. And Elias was in charge of the mill, and uh, I worked together with him in different ways. We would grind maize into a flour that was the main uh, product that they would eat in Zambia. One day, Elias and I were out driving out in the country taking care of business, and he got a phone call on his cell phone. And so he picked it up and he answered it, and uh, his speaking became very rapid, and he switched from English to the local language, Chitonga. And I could tell he was very upset. He was very animated in his discussion. After he got off the phone, he was silent for a minute, and I said, Elias, everything all right? He said, no, Chris, it's not good. He said, someone has put a spell over the kids at Riverside. A spell? Wow, tell me, what's, what's going on? All the kids are sick. All of the kids are sick. Like, how could just all of them get sick? One sick, two sick, but all of them. Someone has cast a spell over the kids. Now, this doesn't sound good. Uh, my Western mindset, I didn't believe it was a spell. I thought it was something else. Um, and so we got back, and the kids were doing very poorly. And indeed, by the time we got there, they had rushed them over the mountain to the hospital in the nearby town. And that's the last I heard till the next morning. The next morning, I went to the workshop, and I was there just ahead of time, waiting for the guys to come in. And Elias's brother, Solomon, came in, and tears were streaming down his eyes. I was immediately concerned, and I asked him, Solomon, what's going on? I'd like to look at a subject with you tonight. It's one of the most powerful subjects in the Bible. It's one that gives us great hope. So as we begin, I'd just like to have another word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we examine the scripture, it's so easy to put our own interpretation into it. Lord, help us to understand what you meant when you had these words pinned for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory and of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The appearing of Jesus Christ is something that gives us great hope. What did you say? Bible prophecy points towards this blessed hope time and time again. We studied Daniel 2. We saw a stone that was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold all together um, became like chaff in the summer of threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. That stone was a kingdom, and that kingdom was Jesus' kingdom. Now, it's important to note that that stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. We go to Daniel chapter 7, and we see, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like, a, like the Son of Man. Daniel 2 talks about the kingdom of Jesus that will take precedence in this earth. Daniel 7, again, talks about one coming the clouds of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. 
Daniel 8 as well tells us about the second coming of Jesus by his cunning, referring to the little horn. He shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes. And when you study this deeper, you know that indeed is Jesus Christ. And he shall be broken, but by no human hand. That's a direct reference to the second coming in Daniel chapter 8. Uh, we see in, in uh, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. A reference to the deliverance at the second coming. Revelation also speaks about this multiple times, but here's two passages. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. It may not be clear to you at this moment that's the second coming, but it will be by the time we're done. And Revelation 22, verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. It might seem like a long time since Jesus left this earth, but he said, I am coming quickly. Praise God. Jesus was gathered with his disciples. He had just left the temple for the last time. As he stepped out, he said, Behold, your house is left to you desolate. Jesus would never enter into the temple again. And as he went out down the steps, he told the disciples, There will not be one stone left upon another. This rocked their world. These stones were huge. How in the world can this be? They thought this must mean this is the end of the world. And so they asked Jesus three questions. They, so I don't have them here. Ah, I've jumped way ahead in my presentation. Okay. Um, so Jesus um, <laughs> jumped way ahead of my presentation. Okay, uh, that's in Matthew 24. We're actually in, in uh, John chapter 14. Jesus is telling them that they, their hearts should not be troubled. He actually told them just before this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in John, in, in John chapter 13, he told them that he was going to go away. And they said, well, where are you going to go? And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will Come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This was the prophecy that Jesus gave. He says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to come back and get you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Now, Matthew 24. I've already given you the little preamble here. So as Jesus is sitting on uh, the Mount of Olives, the disciples said, hey, tell us, when will, uh, when will these things be? the stones not being on top of each other, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age or the end of the world? It's actually three separate questions to the three separate events, but they thought it was all the same. And so Jesus answered them, and he said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, before Jesus explained about his second coming, he wanted to make clear that there would be deception on this point and they needed to be careful not to be deceived. So we want to look at some things that can help us not be deceived about the second coming. This happens to be just as Jesus left the final time to go up to heaven. They were all gathered there on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus was being taken off. Now, when Jesus had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Hmm. If you wonder how will Jesus come back, it will be in the same manner as you saw him go into heaven. This is a powerful clue these angels gave us so that we can know not to be deceived about Jesus' second coming. A cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud. Note that. Remember that. Mark it down. Write it down. A cloud. Matthew 24, verse 23. Then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or uh, he is there, do not believe it. For there will arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch, if it were possible, they will deceive the very elect. Jesus reiterates this point. There might be deception. There will be deception about the coming of Christ. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 25, Behold, I have told you before. If we don't want to be deceived, we simply need to focus on what Jesus has told us about this so we will not be deceived. Where if they shall say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, don't go there. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. There will be those who will try to say Jesus' coming is a secret. It's happening in a secret manner. Jesus' coming will not be secret. There will be no doubt about that by the time we are finished with this presentation. For uh, as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. About a month ago, three weeks to a month ago, I was laying in my bed. There's no blinds in our windows. My wife loves to just look outside. We live out in the country, so all we see is trees around, so there's no blinds. And I was laying there sound asleep, and, and all of a sudden, this light just flashed across my eyes, and I poof, set up in bed like lightning was streaking across the sky. It woke me up. Lightning is not a secret event. Jesus made clear that this lightning will come out of the east and shine to the west. This will be also as the coming of the Son of Man. It will not be a secret. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming how? In the clouds. clouds. They shall see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Revelation 1 verse 7 tells us, Behold, he comes with the clouds. Isn't that what the disciples were told? He will come in so like manner as you saw him go. He went up in the clouds. And here it's reiterated over and over again in Scripture. If you don't want to be deceived, you can be sure of this. Jesus will come in the clouds. And then it tells us, and every eye shall see him. Now, I don't really understand that. Jesus is one person, and the world is round. So if he's coming here above North America, and there are people in China. How are they going to see him? I don't really understand all of that. Maybe it's a period of time and the earth is rotating. I don't know. But the scripture doesn't say that you'll miss it. There won't be a single person that will miss the second coming. Every eye will see him. And so Jesus 
told us in Matthew 24, if they tell you he's in the desert, don't believe it. If they say it's a secret, don't believe it. Because Revelation 1 verse 7 says, every eye will see him. And they also which pierced him in all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. But there will be one group that will not be wailing. They will be rejoicing. Now, if you'll open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul takes some time to explain the events surrounding the second coming of Jesus, and it's worth us opening up our Bibles and looking at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, Thessalonians is just before Hebrews. So if you've gone there, you've gone too far. 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to start in verse 13. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, my poor wife has an ignorant husband. But Paul does not want us to be ignorant about the coming of Jesus. And he says, concerning those which are asleep. Now, Eddie, thank you for your presentation about the state of the dead. I really appreciate that. Here he's saying um, he doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep. Now, this sleep that's being referred to here is not taking a nap. It's actually referring to death. If you go down to verse 14, you'll see it's referring to those that sleep in Jesus, those that have died. If you go on down to verse 16, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. This is a clear reference to those that are asleep are dead. So verse 13, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, that you do not sorrow even as others which have no hope. Why do we have hope? Because of the blessed hope of the second coming of Jesus. That's why we have hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Where will he bring them with him? He will bring them from this earth to heaven is where he will bring them. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent those which are asleep, those which are dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, some of you heard my presentation on who Michael is the other evening. You already know this. Some of you weren't here, so I'm going to go through a little bit of that, okay? So, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, John 5.25, Jesus tells us, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. At the second coming, Jesus' voice will speak, just like it did at Lazarus' tomb. And the dead will come out of the ground, those who have been sleeping in Jesus. These are the righteous who have committed their lives to Jesus will come up out of the ground at this time. But not everyone will be dead. Some of us will be alive. I want to be one of those. I'd like to see my grandpa come out of the ground. <clears throat> when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, those who hear will live. He goes on in verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Is there any doubt in your mind that Jesus will speak with a loud voice at the second coming? It's clear. I think the scripture makes that evident. There's another thing we see in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. Um, it says that there will be the trump of God. Um, in Matthew 24, 31, we're told that the Son of Man will come with a great sound of a trumpet. So there's at least two things that will happen. It will, or more than three things. We see that it will be a brilliant coming like the lightning out of the east to the west. Every eye will see him. There will be a loud shout. The voice of the Son of God will wake all the dead and a trumpet will be blown. 
This doesn't sound very secret to me. If we go back to Jeremiah and we look at what he had to say about this, it's quite loud. The Lord shall roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. At what time in the scheme of earth's history does the Lord give a shout at the second coming? At this time, at this shout, this shout is also against those who are wicked. And a noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coasts of the earth. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth, even to the other end of the earth. And they shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. buried. They shall be as dung upon the ground. The scripture is clear. At the second coming, the Lord will roar with a loud voice. The dead will be raised to life, but all the wicked will be dead, and they will be laying across the ground, not buried. Revelation 6.14 gives us a picture into this scene. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. What a fearful time. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains. Every eye will see him, the righteous and the wicked. It will be a fearful time for those who have rejected their Savior. And they say to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? This is a fearful time. Revelation 14 gives us the last warning message of God to this earth. And in that, the third message is serious. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Now, you won't want to miss Friday night's presentation. We will speak, be speaking about the mark of the beast. This same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud upon the cloud, one sat like unto the Son of Man. All right, we've already been through some scriptures. We see a cloud. The Son of Man is on the cloud. When is this? The second coming. Has to be the second coming. The Son of Man is on this. And he has on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Oh, you know several things. There's going to be a loud shout. Jesus is going to be in the clouds. He's going to have a crown on his head and have a sharp sickle in his hand. That text isn't there. Sorry, I missed that. It's Revelation 14, verse 14. And behold, a white cloud. Okay, I went through that already. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle in the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is when Jesus redeems the righteous. Those who have placed their faith in him as the sh with his blood shed on Calvary's cross, they are redeemed from this earth. But there's another harvest as well. In verse 19, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. There's two harvests, and the wicked are slain upon the earth. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. 
the last part of the verse says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Again, it says the clouds. If there's any doubt, it's going to have a cloud. Jesus is going to be on that. Now, this will be an amazing experience. The dead are going to come up out of the ground, and Paul here says they will rise first. So those that haven't died will be able to see this experience of the dead going up into the, uh, uh, being alive now, going up to the clouds, and we're going to watch it. Now, Jesus gives us another insight into this in Matthew uh, 24, 31. And he, the Son of Man, will send his angels. Why is he sending his angels? With the sound of a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So the dead in Christ will rise, but the angels will go get them, and they will take them up to the clouds. And then it says, we will join them there. Praise God. Now, Eddie looked at 1 Corinthians, and I want to dive into that a little deeper. I appreciate his uh, study on that. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. Paul says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Chronologically, when is the resurrection of the dead? The second coming. We're talking about the same period of time, the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. And he goes on in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So he's saying that there has to be a change from what we are now to what God will have us to be. Verse 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, this is the same writer as was in 1 Thessalonians. And when he was referring to sleep, he's referring to the sleep of death, those that sleep in Jesus. But we shall not all sleep, not all stay dead, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. So we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Now, this twinkling of an eye is not the twinkling of God taking us to heaven. This twinkling of an eye has to do with us being changed. Did you see that? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This twinkling has to do with our changing. Now you see me. Now I'm different. It's going to be just that fast. I hit that button again. Um, in the twinkling of an eye, it went away. <laughs> At the last trump. What is the last trump? This is the second coming, when Jesus blows his trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Hallelujah. I won't need these glasses anymore. My left knee won't hurt anymore. My back won't hurt anymore. Hallelujah. I'm going to be different. My wife is kind of grateful about that, too. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And Eddie clearly highlighted that this point is when we become immortal. There's no such thing as an immortal soul. Uh, the scripture never uses that word in the entire Bible, immortal soul. Um, the only time we become immortal is at this moment in history when God changes these bodies to a new one. Praise God. And then Eddie so well summed up, I can't do it as well as he did, death is swallowed up in victory. Praise God. But there is a solemn warning that is given to us. In Matthew 24, verse 37, Jesus himself said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. How were the days of Noah? They were, the, the Bible tells us that 
every imagination of the thought was wicked continually. They couldn't even think a righteous thought. But Jesus goes on to explain it further. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, I like to eat, and I did drink some water earlier. I am married. I've, I've done some of these things. But these individuals were engaged in these activities without reference to God. God was not in their thoughts. They were busy focusing on these things instead of focusing on the important things in their life. I hit that button again. They weren't thinking in reference to the fact that the door to the ark would close and they were outside. Their time of probation had ended and they were busy enjoying life. I believe Jesus is coming very soon. I think he wants my focus to be on him and the second coming. He doesn't want me to get distracted with just living life as usual. My mind needs to be focused on his word and living the life he would have me to live. And Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flame, uh, flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, how could it be possible for so many individuals to have heard Noah say, there's coming a flood, they knew exactly what was going to happen, and they weren't ready for it. How can it be the entire Jewish nation had the scriptures that pointed out the exact time when the Messiah would come? How could it be they, they didn't even recognize him when he came? Because they were looking for a different coming. They weren't looking for Jesus to come in the way that he said he was going to come. They were looking for a king to deliver them from the Romans. They weren't expecting a humble savior. Could it be possible there will be deception about the second coming? And as people are thinking the second coming is near, they are thinking of his coming being different than it actually is. And they won't be ready. Jesus tells us, watch you therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch you therefore. My family and I, we had left our house, we locked our doors, and we went to town. We did our shopping. We came home. We opened the doors. Huh, that's funny. The door was partly open. Oh, okay. One of the kids forgot to shut it, right? So we go in the house. Boy, it looks messier than when we left it. But you know, we got a lot of kids. You know, I don't know. So I went back to put something away in my bedroom, and I thought, man, why are all my drawers flipped all over the place? Hey, Faith, did you lose something? And then it hit me. Oh, we've been robbed. Oh, somebody robbed. They, came, they took, our passports were still here. Oh, praise the Lord. And, and they, oh, my computer's still here. What? what? Oh, my camera's gone. Oh, my. Oh, they took the computer that doesn't work. How oh, funny. <laughs> I, it was, I felt so raw. I don't know if you've ever been robbed before, but you just feel violated. I, we called the police, and they're like, sorry, there's not much we can do. But yeah, thanks for telling us. Oh, wow. If I knew when they were coming, I would have been waiting in the closet. Ha! Got you. The scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. I am with this 
text right here. Yes, yes, Jesus, yes. But what are you saying? What does he mean? He says, therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Could it be we're so busy with life that we're not paying attention and being ready for the second coming of Jesus? Jesus tells us, but of that day and hour knows no one, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Don't let anyone deceive you and tell you, I know the day that Jesus is coming. Because they're wrong. They don't know. And indeed, there is no prophecy that points to the exact day of Jesus coming in reference to time. There is a reason. There is, a, there is something that Jesus is waiting to happen before he comes back. It's in Mark 4, 29. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus is waiting for the grain of this earth to be ripe. For the individuals on this earth to recognize he is the Savior of the world and to place their faith in him and to allow him to work in their life that the fruit of the Spirit is manifest. He wants the grain to be ready and then he will come. Revelation 22 verse 12 and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. When Jesus comes, he will deliver a reward. We saw the reward of the wicked. I don't want that one. We see the reward of the righteous. is to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I want that one. How about you? Solomon came in the workshop. Tears were streaming down his eyes. He said, Chris, the kids um, had drunk some tea that their mother had made. All the kids were over at, at this mother's house, and she had made this tea from a root. And you're supposed to boil it and strain it, boil it and strain it, boil it and strain it because it's poisonous. But she didn't boil it enough. And little Jane didn't make it. Jane was seven years old. I had seen her playing on the porch the other week. I have a picture of her uh, at home. Jane didn't make it. They said, Chris, we know that you know how to do woodwork. We need you to make a coffin. I've built a lot of things with wood in my life. And I was speechless. Like, how do you make a coffin? Where do you even begin? Like, and the wrongness of the thought came into my mind. Like, she's so little. She's so young. Like, how tall do you make it? How wide do you make it? Like, she, she shouldn't be in a coffin. And I was broken. And I made that coffin. And I took it back to the village behind where we were, to Shingoma. And we took it off and we laid it by the front door. I didn't want to go inside. Jane was inside. Her mother was inside. And I could hear her mother wailing, screaming at the loss of her daughter. The whole village came together for the funeral. 
different than funerals here. They sing. They sang the entire time of their hope in Jesus. Then they took that coffin just over a little ways to the woods to a hole that had been dug by her uncles. Her uncles hopped down in the hole and they handed them the coffin and they put it in the bottom. The pastor gave a little sermon. And the parents, it's a custom there. I guess it's a custom here. The parents picked up some dirt and they put it, they threw it on top of the coffin. Tears are streaming down my face and their face. And we all stood there while the dirt was put back. It was covered, a mound of dirt. I was broken. Someone this young, they shouldn't have died. Do you know God doesn't want anyone to die? You weren't made to die. God did not desire the death that we see on this world. He had a better plan. But somehow we think our plan is better. But Jesus came to open a better way. He died so that we don't have to die. Praise God, the story doesn't have to end here for Jane. It doesn't have to end here for you. Jesus has something better at his second coming. Paul wrote one of the last uh, scriptures he wrote was to Timothy, to Titus, and he referred to the blessed hope. Praise God for the blessed hope in Jesus. I thought this scripture was, I mean, this, this painting was, this picture was pretty impressive, but I noticed it was missing a couple of things. I mean, it got the clouds. I mean, that's a biblical thing, right? But, but where's the crown? Where's the sickle? They have trumpets, but my understanding is that Jesus blows the trumpet. I imagine things will be a little different than that painting. But Jesus doesn't want us to be deceived. He wants us to rejoice at this coming. Are you rejoicing? Are you looking forward to this day? How many of you are excited about the coming of Jesus? Just raise your hand. Praise God. I am too. I pray that you will not be deceived on that day, but that you'll be ready to go to heaven with Jesus and be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I am moved when I consider how glorious this day is going to be. My heart is excited, and I can't wait. Lord, when I look around me, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated at, at all the things that are going on in this world. I'm comforted knowing this was not your desire, the world, to be this way. And I'm grateful that you have a better place and a better plan in store for all of us. Lord, may we be faithful. May our, our lives be completely entrusted in your care. And may you cover us with the blood of the Lamb. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.